Welcome to Predator Minute. Here, you know, let me start that over again. <laughs> Otherwise, I have to edit out the the mouth noises. Good lord, it's not <clears throat> ASMR podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the sound of me building with Legos. Click, click. <laughs> oh, get that out of here. All right. <clears throat> This is amazing. This is high quality content right here. <laughs> All going in. Uh. Welcome to Predator Minute, the podcast that breaks down the 1987 action sci-fi classic Predator one minute at a time. I'm John Zabriskie. <laughs> I'm Jeff Clever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Already. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right here we, and today we're talking about minute 95 of predator minute 95 you might call the richard dent hall oh. of famer in the nfl richard dent of minutes the mac stevens mac 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 uh the dalen mac 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 <laughs> Did you notice his first name is Dalen? It's so close. <laughs> Dalen! 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 Mac! Mac! <laughs> Dalen! 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 And, the, <laughs> and the Terry Crews. Did we do. Did I already write Terry Crews as number 94? 94. Yeah, I feel like that was from last week. Hmm. 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 Well, if it is Terry Crews, uh, you're welcome for the double exposure. Yeah, there you go, Terry. Uh, uh, this is, nice. This is, I, before we jump into other 95s of note, I just have to say uh, my favorite sports team that I follow is the Atlanta Braves. And this is the one year where they won a World Series after losing a couple and then losing a couple since then, too. 51,000 plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. Swung. Fly ball. Deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 The Atlanta Braves have given you a championship. Listen to this crowd. This was their one. 1995. I had had this on video cassette tape. Yes. Um, I remember watching this with my dad and we're just exuberantly celebrating whooping and hollering um, being uh, Tennessee transplants to Seattle a, a year prior. Just I still have that love for some of those Southern teams. Is that, I was going to ask you, is that the genesis of your fandom with the Braves just being in the South? I guess Tennessee doesn't really have their own uh, MLB team, of course. So Yeah, they still don't have their own MLB team. A big part of it, though, was the Braves were owned by Ted Turner, who also owned a bunch of cable networks like oh. TNT and TBS. And the Braves games were always uh, ne- broadcast on TBS. And I think a lot of people like around the country became Braves fans because of that, because maybe their market didn't have a team. Uh, I so forgot they, about that. Yeah. What a what a time to be alive when a guy just <laughs> is like, this is my favorite team and I'm going to play all their games on the TV station I own. That's crazy. <laughs> 
Wow. Pretty yeah. cool, though, I guess, if you're a Braves fan. <laughs> yeah, so if, you, if you're ever wondering why in those postseason games are showing Ted Turner, that's because, yeah, he owned the team, and they named the stadium, which uh, opened right after the 1995 season, Ted Turner Field. Oh. Yeah, There's... so a lot of ties there. Nice. Um, I have nothing to add for these uh, <laughs> NFL players that you <laughs> wrote down. I don't know who any of them are. I got nothing. I don't even know who Richard Dent is, even though he's a Hall of Famer, apparently. I think Richard Dent, if I remember from whatever yesterday's research, he was a two-time Super Bowl winner with the Bears and the 49ers. And Hmm. yeah, just played a really long time. I think he was a defensive lineman, hence the 95 number. Now, 95 is the third now (laughs) in the consecutive uh, run of semi-primes that we've had so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... 90, so if, if it's 95, one of the primes would have to be five. So that, that must be five times 19? Yes. Yeah, it has to be because 20 times five is 100. So yeah. take away five, 95. There, there's your two primes. Um, you got some good, uh, some good uh, music, some good hits from 1995 here. Yeah, I, now that you've kind of uh, been good about finding like the connection between songs and their movies, mm. usually either the hit movie with the, uh, a powerful, not powerful, but a popular song or vice versa. Maybe it's a popular song that's tied to a movie. I don't know how popular the movie dangerous minds was. I remember it really because it featured in the video gangsters paradise by Coolio, which was a humongous hit. This is such a good one that we did not think of earlier in earlier episodes when we were like talking about movies and the songs that made them famous and vice versa. Yeah. This is a huge one. Like I distinctly remember this video on MTV and it really was just a, you know, a three and a half minute commercial for the film dangerous minds. The movie dangerous minds is not good. (laughs) I remember going to see it. uh, And even in 1995, when I was 15, I was like, Hmm, that's that's not that great. The best part of that movie was the Coolio song. <laughs> right. And uh, that, that's the video where Michelle Pfeiffer is sitting in the backwards chair the whole time, right? Oh, yeah. She puts on a leather jacket, and all of a sudden, she's super cool, and all the kids listened. Oh, man. Which is super realistic. It's how I teach. <laughs> I'm going to have to try that in my Zoom calls. Right. Just put on your leather jacket. They'll all listen to you. And sit in my chair backwards. Yeah, you're one uh, but of them. It's, it's an office chair, though. That's a problem. Oh, yeah. You'd be like, <laughs> your legs would be over the arms. And then <laughs> the back is like up to my nose. I'm like kind of peeking over like a creeper at the kids. And, and slowly the chair would tilt and then fall over in mid-sentence. <laughs> Some kids recording it and laughing. And oh, yeah. Welcome All to right. meme heaven. Yeah. I'm going to try that out. That sounds like a good idea. <laughs> uh, let's see. What are some other good songs there? First of the month. Oh, so yeah. A little Bone, Thugs and Harmony. Yeah. Uh, Wonderwall, the song that was a massive hit that everyone hated after a while because it would just become an earworm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hand in My Pocket by Alanis Morissette. Oh, yeah. Wow. Then I had to throw this personal favorite. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a cover of Staying Alive done by this Euro trance group, Entrance. 
Um, Ooh, I can't say I'm familiar with that one. The guy is like kind of special. He's like semi gangster rapping over the staying alive uh, music in the background. Hmm. You, you you have to give that a listen. I'm sure if you heard it, you would like instantly be taken a, taken back to that time because it was it was pretty popular for. Uh, I would say the summer months of 95, if I remember correctly. Okay. But I had the CD, and like Aaron and Zach both love that song still to this day because I played that thing <laughs> so many times. <laughs> you guys, listen to this. <laughs> it's like 70s funk, but it's trans. <laughs> Uh, uh, let's see some video games Chrono Trigger my favorite video game came out that year is that your favorite of all time yeah that's my favorite of all time I still play that one did you ever play that one uh, I I never did I actually didn't even know that uh, I had never even heard of that game actually until you told me it was one of your favorites mm-hmm. and uh, I think I, s- I may have like started it uh, after your recommendation and I remember it being cool but for whatever reason I just never finished it yeah it's yeah it'd be hard to kind of even yeah for me too to just jump on like an RPG that's like what 25 years old yeah yeah 30 <laughs> years old <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I will say I'll give it a lot of credit for being an RPG that's not like a grind fest like where all the time you have to go fight monsters all the time just to gain levels like it, it progresses really naturally as you play the game and play through the story so it's it, it did a lot of things right, and it's one of the reasons it's my favorite. Nice. Yeah, this list of games you have here, this this was the, around the time, this was an interesting time for me in terms of, like, my video game fandom, because, so this is 95, I was about, I was 15 years old, and so this is the era now where we're transitioning from Super Nintendo into N64, right? Yeah, and N64 is 96, and then GoldenEye, yeah. which I'm sure you're going... Next yeah. is 97, I believe. Yeah. So this was, at this point, I had kind of, I was old enough to where I had sort of stopped playing my Super Nintendo a little bit. Mm. Um, and it, I, I didn't really get interested again into video games until N64 came out in the following year. And it was games like uh, Mario Kart 64 and GoldenEye that kind of mm. pulled me back in that my friends and I would play later on in high school. But so these uh, titles that you've listed here, uh, obviously they're big names. I recognize Yoshi's Island, Mega Man 7, Donkey Kong Country 2. I love Donkey Kong Country. Um, but they're not games that I um, I have a lot of experience with just because of the time that they came out. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's a good point about yeah, the transition and when those times happen. Yeah, you kind of like start to be hyped about the new thing and yeah, yeah fall away from the old, like... I have on here, and like a kind of the dark horse for me is NBA Live '96. It's a game I played just a ton on the Super Nintendo. It's just totally like that good mix of the simulation and the arcade style. Uh, yeah, I listed a lot of these games because yeah, at the time I was still just playing those video games a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about any uh, movies that stood out to you there? Oh boy, you got some good ones here. I, you know, you kind of forget uh, that. The night, like every, I swear, every year of the '90s had a, kind of an amazing list of of movies, and and perhaps it's nostalgia and the time period that it came out. But man, 
it was just a lot of good stuff being released back in, in the mid nineties. Mm-hmm. But uh, the ones that stand out to me are um, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Die mm-hmm. Hard Three. I love that one. Um, Apollo Thirteen, Seven was big for me. Um, Braveheart, Leaving Las Vegas, Casino, uh, Twelve Monkeys. I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and comedy side, we got Billy Madison, Tommy Boy. Um, God, there's so many here. Uh, some fun uh, sequels you listed as well. Yeah. Um, Highlander 3, Candyman 2, Leprechaun 3, <laughs> Under Siege 2, Free Willy 2, Halloween 6, Ace Ventura 2, Father of the Bride 2, and Grumpy Old Men 2. Is this the worst year we've had so far for sequels? That's pretty shitty. For sequels, yeah. I think in the early 90s when we were talking to sequels, I think that was when a lot of these bigger movies still went big on the sequels, like a RoboCop 2 or a Predator 2, a Die Hard 2. Yeah, Yeah, here we're having yeah Father of the Bride 2. It's just stuff that people probably weren't asking for. Right. Like Ace Ventura 2 is, is uh, just a cash grab. You know? Yeah, it still has some really funny moments, like when he knocks out the Monopoly guy and wears him as, as a scarf. Ace Ventura, pet detective. And uh, you must be the Monopoly guy. You know something? You're right. <laughs> or when he's birthing himself from the rhino. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, but yeah. Um, that that movie like was was almost like a caricature of the first movie. It, you know, it was pretty bad, but uh, it had its moments for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, the what about you? Any, any there stand out to you? Oh yeah, I would say I would say two that stood out to me were uh, well, one was Goldeneye because I remember seeing mm-hmm. that in the theaters and just loving it and it's the first pierce brosnan pierce brosnan james bond Mm -hmm. that we had and uh, it's probably my favorite bond movie um it it doesn't hurt that the game came out a couple years later and you could basically play through the movie right right. Um, then there's Waterworld, which i remember seeing in theaters uh before hearing about all the the bad hype about what a bomb it was and how poorly it was performing it's it's yeah. I, I remember seeing that and not thinking it was that bad of a movie, but just hearing about in later years, like all the production problems they went through, and you never are supposed to really film in the ocean. Yeah, wasn't it at the time like the most expensive movie ever made? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now now movies are yeah a lot more expensive and right. There 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 have been just countless bombs, but it, it's uh, it was. Yeah, in the blockbuster era, it was uh, one of the things that stood out as like a, a prototype bomb movie. I remember watching it back in the 90s and being like, okay, this is all right. But I understand why everyone's sort of like ragging on it. And then randomly like a year or two ago, I rewatched it out of just kind of out of curiosity. I was like, I haven't seen this movie in like 25 years. Upon rewatching it, I was like, you know, this is kind of a fun sort of interesting adventure movie like piece of time you know just like a little snapshot of how movies were made 25 years ago Mm -hmm. and uh i I feel like i actually appreciated it a little bit more than um when it first came out you know so i I think i think it might have a little bit more you know worth than uh 
people give it credit for. I think so. And it has some good, fun performances by Kevin Costner and Dennis Hopper. Gene Hopper, yeah. And the action sequences are actually pretty amazing. Like, it's all practical effects and... You know, it's it's mm-hmm. uh, in terms of filmmaking, it's pretty impressive. So, yeah, I think that's where so much of the budget was right. sunk. Haha, pun intended. <laughs> uh, but like, I guess I remember reading whole sets would sink in a storm, and they'd have to rebuild <laughs> them. I always the, the part I always remember when I hear Waterworld is the people, the smokers on the jet skis, uh, going under water under the wall and coming up. I always yeah. remember that part. Yeah, I do like how everyone smoked on the ocean. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) It's boring, you know, just hanging on the ocean. Yeah, just kind of have a smoke every once in a while. Hmm. Uh, (laughs) All right. Should we we get to our... Our topic of the of the podcast should we talk? I a think so. Predator, yeah. predator minute ninety five. Minute ninety five opens with the predator kneeling over a pinned Dutch, and it ends with the predator unhooking some hoses from his mask. Hmm. Put on your mask, predator. What are you doing? Come on, put on your mask. Don't be a Karen, predator. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> We're gonna split this minute up into two parts, almost exactly into two parts. With the first part being. <laughs> Zero to 31 seconds. Mm-hmm. We carry over from last minute. Dutch, with his head pinned to the log, turns his head to the left. We then cut to a panning up shot of the predator kneeling over Dutch with his wrist blades holding Dutch's head and his neck to the log. The predator then pulls his wrist blades out of the log and then back into their wrist holster. He picks up Dutch by the neck and slams him into a tree. We see Dutch's feet suspended in midair. The predator then leans in to look at Dutch's face. We cut back and forth between predator vision and a side view of Dutch's face being examined by the predator. The predator then drops Dutch. End of first part of the minute. Mm -hmm. Mm. So when we left here, we had a great... Kind of freeze frame of Dutch's head getting pinned to the log between these two blades. Mm-hmm. I think the theme here is that back, you know, in back, uh, back in the previous minute, we were like, "Wow, here's a spot where the predator could have just stabbed Dutch in the back of the neck and been done with it," but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And once again, we see him pulling the blades away, picking up Dutch and pinning him to the tree, and then letting him go. Yeah, I would say it's it's interesting. I, I was wondering this myself. Like he he's had a couple of chances now to take him out. One maybe not so obvious, like when he's firing the laser in the last minute. Like now that we have this kind of uh, whatever these kind of goggles on, we can see that the predator probably could have killed him a few times before this. Yeah, but yeah, he, he totally doesn't choose to. He pins his neck. He looks at his face closely and then drops him. Uh, So he must have some ulterior motive going on here. It's not just simply kill, kill, kill. There's, there's something maybe a little more nuanced to his hunt. I actually like this little bit of like predator character development, Mm -hmm. right? Like the predator doesn't talk to us. All we can do is, is kind of create an image of this, alien kind of get a sense of his personality through his actions and he is kind of a a bully kind of a dick 
right? He's he's kind of uh, arrogant. Yeah. You know, he's uh, – and we've seen this already. Like, we've seen him play around with the jungle team a bit before killing them. And here he's taking it to an extreme. Like, he really is uh, a cat who has caught a mouse and has decided to just bat it around for a while before he goes in for the kill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, maybe uh, – yeah, maybe – I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Maybe I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, what What else from this uh, section, John, do you, uh, just sticks out to you? Uh, visually speaking, in the first couple of seconds, as soon as Dutch tries to like whip his head to look to his left, hmm. uh, it cuts to this great panning up shot where at the bottom of the screen um, and then, Shortly out of the screen, you see the Predator's wide wrist blades around Gus, Gus around Dutch's neck. Heaven forbid, jeez. <laughs> uh, but then it pans up to the Predator's knelt over form, and he is like full head in front of the camera. Just his head looks humongous, and his upper body looks humongous as he's kind of leaning into the camera over Dutch. And he even like looks up at the camera the predator does through the mask it i just i don't know what to make of this shot other than maybe it's supposed to give us uh, like an intimidated intimidating look at its size he's just like humongous how he has to kneel over and it's it's almost comical how he's like so close or he's like so fisheye lensed to the camera at at the beginning uh, of this minute yeah well you know all throughout this film you know, if you're watching this for the first time, you are just dying to get a better look at the Predator, right? Mm-hmm. Like they reveal him so slowly and in such small snippets all throughout the movie. You know, a lot of the times you see him, he's in his cloaked camouflage or we just get a shot of him sitting in the tree. We just get a shot of him kind of bounding down the rocks. And you kind of know in the back of your mind, like we're going to see this alien more close up at some point we're gonna we're gonna get a better look at what this this dude actually looks like and i think this is the beginning of that we we get this he's you're right he almost stares right into the camera (laughs) yeah he looks like up from dutch and the guy is like acknowledging the presence of the camera it's so imposing and it's such a cool mask and creature design like it's it it's terrifying you know uh it's it's great. I just, I think it's really an effective shot in kind of, again, teasing like, Hey, here's what this alien looks like. And we just, this is one of the better images we get of his face and his mask and his head. Yeah. And even then, yeah, it's not like a normal wide shot of, uh, this creature. It's, it's kind of a hunched overview. I don't know that we've seen a good, wide shot other than when maybe Arnold was running away from the predator in the last few minutes. Yeah. I mean, every time we see the predator, it's for a very short amount of time, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is one of the, one of the times when they kind of linger on his mask and his face the longest. Um, And it's not even that long, you know? Yeah. It's not that long and it's not like a normal quote unquote shot. Um, I do like how he brings up his blades from around Dutch's neck and they retract back into the, the little whatever that is, gauntlet yeah, apparatus. Cool. 
Yeah, that's it's just some, it's cool. like some Wolverine stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. That's that's just like, you know, nine year old me is stoked when yeah. that happens. <laughs> cool weapon, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh let's see, a little I don't know if you call it a goof, but I'm here when he's throwing Dutch against the tree. First, you see, like, he's not throwing him into the tree at first. Uh, the first shot of him throwing him towards the tree, um, like, it just looks like a big green mattress is set up. <laughs> uh, and then oh, secondly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, 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 in, just to help him stick the landing. Secondly, right. <laughs> as Dutch is flying through the air in the Predator's hand, the uh, Predator is not holding him by the neck. He's actually holding him by, like, kind of the armpit, the left armpit. Yeah. Yeah, and his then, hand position kind of changes in that quick sequence, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I'd yeah. say. And then thirdly, clearly a, a stunt double, someone who uh, probably has the same size as Arnold, but not like the same size, if you know what I mean. Right. And and you would never notice it in real time, but when you slow it down and you can see the guy being thrown up against the wall there, it's definitely not Arnold. Yeah. Right. But you, yeah. you do know what's happening. It's it's clear what's happening. He's throwing him against the tree to have a nice close look at him. What, what do you make of him giving him like the the close up the not just the predator, but McTiernan showing us what the predator is seeing through his mask, looking at this kind of ghostly skull imagery uh, of Dutch's face. Yeah, that's the first thing I thought of is when they cut back to predator vision and we see Dutch through his eyes. It is like a skull, right? Like mm-hmm. that that black right around the nose and the nostril area and the and the red around the eyes makes it look sunken and it does. Kind of like uh, they live. It's yes, it is. Absolutely when they put on the glasses and they see the aliens it it, it has that sort of same imagery. And I'm, I look, I'm looking at an image of the they live alien and yeah, it looks a lot like that. Yeah, I can't help but think that that's somewhat intentional or maybe they did that shot and just realized that it had this kind of skull uh, look to it and and realized how cool that was. But uh, yeah, I mean, you can't obviously you can't help but think of death and, and Dutch's Im- impending death when you when you see that image. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I was assuming that maybe this took that into mind, but they live came out in 88 mm. came out a year later. So right. I wonder if maybe they had a similar thought, maybe that's Carpenter directing that maybe had a similar thought of, you know, what's, what's, what's more alien than like seeing what you're like on the inside or some other representation of you. Right. Right. Mm. Spooky stuff though. Like, do you think he's uh, looking for brain activity or what do you think he's looking at for looking at Dutch close up like that? Is What's his purpose? That's a good question. Again, like you feel a bit like it's a, it's a cat who's caught a mouse. Like I I honestly think the predator is uh, just a little, you know, interested, kind of fascinated by this particular human specimen that has been able to evade him for this long. I think there might be a little bit of respect going on here. Sure. Um, yeah, you know, like every other human he's encountered, he's been able to dispatch of with really no problem at all. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the first one that's given him a little bit of trouble. And I, I think on a certain level, he must respect that, which I think is part of what's going on with this this sequence. And it, this sequence is going to carry over into the next minute. <laughs> it's, it's hard to talk about this fully without acknowledging what happens in next minute. But 
Um, I, I think that's kind of what's going on here. You know, he, at a, on a certain level, the predator knows he's going to obviously uh, kill this, this human that he's come across. But in this particular moment, he's somewhat impressed by him. Yeah. 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 I mean, how can you um, not be impressed by Arnold, really? Yeah, I mean, that that's just clearly <laughs> the whole point of this movie is to show how impressive Arnold is. <laughs> aliens aliens will come down and just kill everybody except for uh, the best. Yeah. Oh. Some damn fool accuse you of being the best. Being the best. The best. Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Uh, just a couple more differences I'm noticing. I didn't write it in my notes, but... When the predator is looking at other people in this heat imagery, uh, you don't see that close-up of the skull ever. You just see mm. like the whole outline. It's just kind of uh, maybe it's taken in on average when he's further away and not up close. Right. It's the his pro, his proximity to Dutch has given us a little more definition of his head. And a uh, second thing I noticed was when he turns Dutch's head, you can see the predator's thumb. It's dark. Yeah. Mm, yeah but when he held the scorpion, yeah. his hand was clearly giving off some heat vibes. So right. maybe maybe to, just to clue us in that this is the predator's thumb holding up Dutch by the neck, who uh, is surprisingly still alive after being held up you know, just by the neck against the tree, a, a good foot and a half above the ground. Right. It, it's, it's, Although it might not be realistic in the uh, continuity of the movie, it makes sense for the special effect in that moment so that you get a little distinction between the Predator's hand and Dutch's face. Yeah. 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 All right. right. Should we jump into the second part here? Let's do it. Let's talk the second half of the minute. Okay. The second half has uh, a little less going on, but kind of sets the stage for our, our next minute. So... Second 31, or excuse me, 32, until the end of this minute, uh, after the Predator has dropped Dutch from the tree, he then slowly walks away from Dutch. He stops, he turns, standing in some very shallow water, turns back to face Dutch, and we see him disconnect a tube from the side of his helmet. He then reaches for his other helmet tube, and there ends the minute. Mm. Mm. Now, we obviously know what uh, the Predator is going to be doing here. This is a pretty famous part of this movie. Uh, I don't yeah. know how much we want to talk about that or save for next minute. but We should um, probably save it for next minute just yeah, just just to make sure that we're covering our bases one minute at a time. Sure. So... But the whole effect of him disconnecting his tube from, or the tube from his mask, is kind of a cool one. And uh, you had mentioned that it made you think of uh, Star Wars, <laughs> as as it often does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when you said that, I had I, I was like, oh yeah, that's abs- You're absolutely right. Like even down to the sound effect, mm-hmm. like it's it's very much like Vader disconnecting his uh, his mask. Yeah, or Luke disconnecting Vader's mask so you can... Right, right. Help me take this mask off. Luke, help me take this mask off. Uh, <laughs> trying, to, trying to take one look at the real the real dad underneath. But uh, I, I think I am wondering, like, if people are watching this for the first time, 
Do you think anybody was thinking maybe that is the predator's face is the mask? And then when he, once he starts unhooking the tubes, people are starting to lose it. Like, Oh my God, like there's, there's going to be something else under there. There's going to be something totally gnarly and scary that we haven't even seen yet. I, I will tell you that in my own experience, when I was younger, seeing this movie for the first time, I did think that the mask was the predator's actual face. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a it's a trick that this movie does well. You know, now knowing the film so well, or anyone that's seen it several times, you, you know, yeah, that's his mask. But if you're younger, seeing this for the first time, it's it's honestly not that obvious. Like Mm-mm. maybe that's just what this alien alien's face looks like. Maybe it has more of a kind of a sort of metallic, rigid look to it. You know, like. And especially given the special effects at the time, you know, maybe that's what they wanted the the alien to look like. Mm-hmm. So when we start this sequence, when you start to realize that he's going to disconnect this thing and we're going to get to see what's underneath, that was super exciting for me with the first time I saw this. Yeah, I mean, it's always exciting when you're leading up to possibly unmasking yeah. uh, the bad guy. Uh, I think the... The imagery of the mask really reminds me of like 1950s, 1960s concept art of aliens. Like Mm -hmm. not like the movie aliens, just like aliens in general. I think they call them gray man or gray men. Oh, right. Kind of that huge ovular shaped head with like the glassy eyes. Uh, No other features really other than that. Maybe like a little protrusion for the mouth. Mm-hmm. But that that's kind of what I have the thought of here with this mask. And yeah, it's, it's a good little fake out if that's what they're intending uh, for first time viewers. Yeah. And I, I honestly, I think that, I think that was the intention mm-hmm. um, or at least keep it ambiguous so that you aren't sure, you know, so that when this moment comes, it's, it's a fun surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, uh, this is one of my favorite moments in, in the movie, I have to admit. So I'm excited to get into the second minute uh, or the next minute um, when we, uh, hopefully, I don't know yet. I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, get a full reveal, but um, <laughs> he just keeps disconnecting tubes for like the next couple of minutes, <laughs> and then puts them all back together. Okay, yeah. that's better. All right. Yeah, the red one was in the blue hole. See, that's <laughs> uh, that's why I couldn't see color very well. <laughs> Damn. Um, I was trying to think, and I don't mean to put you on the spot here, but besides the demasking of Vader. Can you think of another or a similar situation in a movie where we get kind of a, a demasking reveal like this? Uh, one that always was kind of a, a fake out demasking, and I have to go with that right now because that's what first came to my mind, was in Batman 89 when Joker's mm. girlfriend takes off the mask. I forget, do you see her face or do you not after he's like experimented with like the chemicals on her face? I don't think you do. Alicia, sit down. Show the lady why you wear the mask. You see, Miss Vale, Alicia's been made over in line with my new philosophy, so now, like me, she is a living work of art. I think you just see, like, Vicky Vale's reaction. Yeah, you see her reaction, or maybe you see just a very, very fast cut. Oh, yeah. man, that's a, good, that's a good call, and I can't remember... I feel like you see enough to be slightly horrified, mm. but it's very fast. Uh, I might be wrong though. Uh, I remember, uh, like, in Captain America, 
the winter soldier, there's a moment where the winter soldier takes off his mask (laughs) Mm. and probably most people who just like most other viewers, I didn't like know other people in the cast or like, I don't, I don't recognize the people from the other movies always. So it turns out to be like this big plot point of who this person is when he takes off the mask. (laughs) But if you haven't really been paying attention or haven't seen the first Captain America, it means nothing when he takes off the mask. You're going like, all right, so like, okay, is this is this a big moment? And Bucky, who the hell is Bucky? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like looking at Mike Fleming and saying like, who who's that? Who's that supposed to be? <laughs> yeah, uh, another one that just came to mind is it's a little less dramatic, but when we finally see RoboCop without his mask on. That's uh, kind of a similar, that's kind of similar to Vader where we get sort of the, you know, the human flesh connected to the machinery type of situation where it's a little, you know, kind of off-putting seeing those two things melded together. Yeah. Yeah. It is very off-putting. So yeah. Props to Paul Verhoeven for making people queasy watching that. Uh, What about um, Jason? Does Jason ever take off the mask? That's a good one. Yes, he does. Okay. He does. In fact, they use that, that trope several times throughout the series. There's, and it, it kind of gets more and more brazen as the series goes along. Like in the early Friday movies, like part two, part three, part four, I feel like at the very end of the movie, there's always a sequence where, and sometimes it's like the jump scare after you think he's already dead. Mm hmm where he pops back up into the scene or into the frame without his mask on. And he has some sort of like grotesque. He has this like deformed grotesque face by the time you get, I believe it's part seven. I think part seven is the movie where they show him without the mask for the longest period of time. And it's like a whole big chunk of the final fight scene has him without his mask on. And it's this super grotesque, like, (laughs) ogre looking i mean by this point jason has morphed from being just a psycho killer into being a an undead zombie like uh supernatural you know demon sure and uh yeah as you do as you do and uh so his and he's been burned and killed and blown up and resurrected from the dead several times and so you know he's just he's not human anymore. He's just like a grotesque monster. And I think it's in part seven that they keep his mask on for or off for a, a pretty long period of time. So you can really see what he looks like and it's gross. Mm. <laughs> Groovy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just found the dramatic unmask TV tropes page, but uh, that might be something to save for next minute in case it comes to fruition with yeah. uh, seeing our masked killer, our now known masked killer. Um, so we can maybe compare them up to some other whodunits and masked killers. Um, Good idea. I like that. All right. We'll put that on the shelf and we'll, we'll revisit that uh, yeah. next minute. Nice. We call that a teaser in the radio biz. Oh, that's it. <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> just, just the tease. <clears throat> Um, well, uh, do you have other points of interest for this minute? This minute is uh, exciting because of what we think or implies is going to happen in the next minute. But in terms of uh, content, there's not a lot more here to talk about unless there's something I missed. 
Uh, last couple things. One thing at minute or at second and 40, you do see the Predator bleeding his own blood into the mm. gross swamp water. Nobody makes me bleed my own blood. Nobody. Uh, so I think maybe that's reminding us maybe why he's uh, taking some dramatic license instead of just killing off Dutch, maybe putting a whole air of theatricality to this is because mm. he's been, he's been hit. He's been wounded by Dutch. So he's, he's shown him some due respect. Yeah, that is uh, I'm glad you brought that up. That is a pretty cool little kind of acknowledgement that he, he has suffered some wounds here. And we got that nice little, it's like a little line of the green ooze blood. And it's sort of like filled in the cracks of his boots. It's kind of cool effect. Yeah, but probably gross. And he's probably going to be all on. Wait, I don't think he's wearing boots. Oh, that's not boots. No, I, I think he's, I think he's barefoot. I think he's the real hero of this movie. Oh, that's just a scrape on his skin. Ooh. Yeah, I think when he was flying over to Earth, I think his buddy was like, you know, it helps relieve stress if you take off your shoes and just kind of bunch up your toes. And all of a sudden, he's in the he's in the GD jungle running around barefoot. Well. And Arnold's like, shoot the shoot the trees, <laughs> shoot the water, shoot the the gross stuff. Treasures like. I don't know, guys. My feet are kind of swollen from flying. <laughs> I really could. My yeah. dogs are barking down here. <laughs> it, wow. Is, is that the first time like I've actually linked Predator to Die Hard? I think so. Like, whoa. whoa. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's just he's on the West Coast for once, the Predator is. And like all of a sudden he's thrown in this, this mix where people are firing at him all of a sudden. He's just, yeah, just minding his own business. <laughs> but yeah it's there's a, there's a lot of gross blood and swamp mix right there yeah that's gonna get infected predator yeah you might need, swamp with a cut like that yeah i might need to patch that up when you, uh, you're done doing business here yeah like do what you do in predator 2 where you like melt a bunch of shit in a sink and then oh that's awesome I, I, I watched that scene the other day that's that's an awesome scene i love that scene <laughs> what do you say he's like i'm a cop he's and the old lady's like i don't think he cares i don't think he gives a shit <laughs> there there are some good comic relief moments in present yes. too that do not get enough love yeah agreed yeah, that, that's where it dips more into a little bit of yeah comic comic flair yeah yeah <laughs> yeah uh last um, last thing i'll mention here is this is it's been a while since I. It's been a while. Now you, since I uh, visited the script, and the script, like I've said before, just turns into a completely different movie in the third act. Uh, mm. Instead of this kind of one-on-one confrontation, you have Dutch. As last I said, he was in the cave. He was scared by the bats and something else. Uh, and at one point, he throws a piece of wood into the air, and the predator takes out the piece of wood, much like when Dutch throws the rock, and predator takes out that rock as a distraction. Dutch does hit the predator with a sharp arrow, not an explosive arrow right in the neck in the script. Mm. And before he can do any more uh, Dutch, no, actually he falls to the cave lands in some water where I take it. All the mud is washing off just like in the movie, but in kind of a reversal Dutch hits him with an arrow and the predator flees. The predator is like zips out of there. He's bleeding out this red blood, which is also called orange in the script so the script yeah. isn't on its own on the same page with itself 
Uh, but the Predator does lose its camouflage ability, and he starts to remove his helmet as he actually makes his way to the ship, and the ship hatch opens up uh, as I pause that part in the script. But it totally turns into a different movie where um, 100% Dutch is the hunter in this third act. There's wow. there's no like trading yeah. back and forth. It's, I'm just going to come kill you now. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Are we to assume that like they both end up going into the spaceship and then having a final confrontation there? Man, I, I, it's been a long time since I've actually read the script past yeah. page one twelve out of <laughs> one hundred twenty pages. So I'll, I'm just going to keep it kind of blow by blow. Hopefully, yeah, I yeah, we'll find, find out. Yeah, yeah, some good pacing. Interesting. Yeah. Well, once again, I say this every time we talk about the script. I think the changes <laughs> they made were correct and uh, i'm mm-hmm. glad they went with the direction they did yeah because in the script this it it really right it really uh what's the word i'm looking for it decreases the threat of the predator if the predator can't just keep coming yeah. back like a jason character from all these explosive arrows and explosions right in his face uh in the script he is he's hurt and he's running away and that that's not going to happen uh, in the movie well it happens once in the movie and that's where the whole team is firing at him but uh, that, that's more him just being realistic not him like just being hurt or scared yeah i mean a good showdown between your hero and the villain has to have the villain get the upper hand at some point to build mm-hmm. that suspense right which is what we're kind of seeing right now you know like the predator has the upper hand like dutch is against the ropes here right and and like we mentioned he's just he's really playing around with his his prey um so if you're watching this for the first time you are worried for our boy dutch this is not going well for him yeah maybe worried but also maybe a little bit relieved that the predator didn't kill him right away sure, when he had the yeah. chance or didn't you know just lop off an arm lop off a leg yeah just start dismembering him yeah <laughs> casually. just like all right now 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 try yeah yeah this makes it at least more entertaining for myself yeah all right well uh we will get to the exciting conclusion of this section next minute um i can't wait to see what the predator is doing with his mask yeah maybe he's gonna plug it back in maybe he's gonna keep taking out hoses maybe he takes off the mask we'll have to find out we'll find out yeah i vote for he just spends the rest of the movie unplugging hoses Maybe he has like a hose plugged into like, I don't know, his stomach or his butt or something like that too. He just has to take, you hope he doesn't need those hoses, right? (laughs) Excuse me. I need to remove my butt hose. (laughs) It's really gotten jammed up there and and I need to let it breathe a little bit. And if you are interested in a tutorial that I previously made about how to use a butt hose, I will leave a link below from my last trip to Kerala. I made a, a handy tutorial for anyone who is unfamiliar. Yeah, like you, ho- you hope he can, you know, to keep the movie interesting that he can breathe this atmosphere if that's what he's doing is taking off this helmet ultimately. Maybe we'll have someone on Next Minute or something like that who can speak to that. Perhaps, perhaps. Perhaps, hmm. perhaps. <laughs> Send out the, the call for an expert. <clears throat> but yeah, if you don't have anything left for 95. I think we've done it. We've done a pretty yeah. good job with 95. I think we did a good 95 on that. I'd give us a 95. I, I give us a 95 as well. Out of 96. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Give me the third semi-prime in a row. Boom. Boom.
primed. Uh, but yeah, now we talk about recommendations for what the audience can experience that we've experienced that we think is so cool we have to share. So what do you have to recommend, Jeff? You just got primed. <laughs> uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that just came out as the as of this recording. What? Uh, by, the, by the time this comes out, it'll be a couple weeks. But this just popped up on VOD. I've been anticipating this. This is... Bill and Ted Face the Music. Oh, I want to see that so bad. The new Bill and Ted film available now for rent um, featuring Alex Winters and Keanu Reeves, the two original actors from the original films. Um, And I have to say it was fun, charming. Um, They did a really good job of taking some of the themes from the original movies and kind of putting a new twist on them. Uh, it was funny. It was uh, very wholesome feeling. And in these kind of shitty Corona times, I kind of need some wholesome stuff every once in a while. Yeah. And um, it, it filled that void. Uh, my wife and I watched it the other night and we just smiled and laughed the whole thing. And it was just kind of what we needed. So if you just want to have a nice, nice time, Grab yourself your favorite beverage and a bowl of popcorn and throw on Bill and Ted Face the Music because uh, we had a blast with it. So check it out. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, my mom was such huge fans of the first two movies. Uh, I remember I remember specifically seeing Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey in the theaters. Yeah, me too. I'm just really enjoying that, especially death and just how wacky that went and how different it was from the first because it is a completely different movie than the first you think right. it's gonna hit all the same beats it does not they're like yeah i don't want to spoil anything for uh whatever 30 year old movie but it <laughs> no is, it is and uh, in in good uh fashion they they kind of do the same thing like this one borrows a lot of elements from the original films but it is a very different movie again and uh death does make a, an appearance Nice. And he's just as awesome of a character as he was the first time. And I have to say, not to spoil anything, but there's a new character that they introduced that is a, a robot from the future that wow. might be one of my favorite <laughs> movie characters in the history of movies. It's so wow. Great. That is a strong recommend coming I'm, from someone who has talked predator for <laughs> 95 hours i mean i'm 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 embellishing perhaps but uh sure. I, I i don't know if i can remember in in recent memory enjoying a movie character as much as this one so um at the very least it's worth it for checking that out <laughs> awesome i'll have to okay. give that a have to give that a listen yeah, for a watch, it. a listen, a watch. I'll have to give that a watch. Give it a watch. It's it's worth the rental price, I promise. Okay. Yeah. Nice. I'll, I'll have Sarah watch it with me. I'll make her watch a little goofy movie. It's yeah, good. it's it's goofy. Like, just go into it knowing it's just like a fun, goofy movie, and I think you'll enjoy it. All right. What do you got on the recommends, John? Uh, I watched a Girl Scout movie the other day with, <laughs> <laughs> with my wife. My wife called Troop Zero. It's an Amazon Prime original movie. So if you're a Prime member, you can hop on there, watch it for free. I thought it was a delightful little throwback to 70s and 80s 
kids movies like where the kids are the protagonists but at the same time like they're actual kids on in the movie and not like adults playing kids yeah and, yeah. and all the charm that comes with that there's like you know the kids kind of you can tell they're like they're just kind of goofing around they're clearly being kids on the screen they just kind of do random things sometimes that probably not in the script and probably not directed to do but uh i sure looks like the uh, the kids had a lot of fun making it and uh to me that's that's part of the charm is like you have kids playing kids and just kind of doing goofy kid stuff uh like there's there's not a ton of drama in it which is nice uh, again, kind of reminded me of these 70s and 80s kids movies. It's filmed in kind of a brownish sepia tone to give it that era feeling. I think it's 1977 mm. or thereabouts where the story takes place. And it's just uh, about, if you've seen the trailer, you know it's it's about this goofy bunch of girls who come together to be this ragtag team of Girl Scouts, or I think they're called... What are they called? Birdie Scouts, I believe, in the movie. Oh, they couldn't quite get the rights to uh, Girl Scouts, huh? <laughs> uh, people don't often, yeah, attach Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts to yeah. like yeah. actual movies. I've noticed. Sure, <laughs> that's fine. You don't. Need to, you right. really don't need to. It, we all get the idea. Yeah, I you know, have I mean, seen advertisements but, for this movie pop up on my Prime menu, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll have to add it to my list. That is it something you could watch with kids? Is it like PG or? Uh, I would say yeah. It's it's. I think I don't know. I don't, my kids are like so little right now that when I think about like watching things with kids, I'm thinking like, would I watch this with them? I don't think kids would be that interested in it mm-hmm. uh, be- because um, it zips back and forth to the adults, and the adults are awesome. It's Viola Davis, Jim Gaffigan, and Allison Janney are the main adult leads. Oh shit! What a cast! Yeah, Mike Epps is there is in there for a little bit, uh, but the the real star being the kids, just doing kid things. Yeah, I, I, I guess I could see kids watching that and enjoying it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that sounds great. Nice recommend. Yeah. yeah. So Troop Zero. What a bunch! What a couple of wholesome movies we just recommended. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of uh, wholesome movies, Jeff, where can people find you? I had nowhere to go with that. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> no, no, it's not your fault. I just, yeah. I'm not thinking on my feet right now. Uh, speaking of zeros. Uh, <laughs> hey. Speaking of. That. <laughs> speaking of Girl Scouts. Speaking of Girl Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can find me on the Twitter. I am Jeff Glover. You can find me there at Carl underscore Hungus 314. Come find me on the Twitter sphere. My name is Carl been expert. John, where can we find all things Predator Minute? Well, you can find Predator Minute on Twitter as well, at Predator Minute. You can email this show, PredatorMinute at gmail.com, and you can join the discussion group on Facebook. Predator Minute listeners Palapa targets the center of the Palapa. Targets the center of the Palapa. Targets the center of the Palapa. Targets the center of the... What do we say? Targets the center of the Palapa. Targets the center of the... Targets the center of the Palapa. <laughs> what did we say? <laughs> I don't even know. Has it been that long? It's been like an hour. Targets the center of the Palapa. I'll just go for that. Targets the center of the Palapa. <laughs> we both have no idea. I literally have no idea. Dalen! Dylan! 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 <laughs>
Mark. Mark. <laughs> Mark just does not have that twang. Mark. 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 Doesn't work. Mark. 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 <laughs> Mark. 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 Nope, doesn't work. <laughs> Dylan. Mark. Dylan. Dylan. <laughs> all right, all right. That's enough of that. So for all things Predator Minute 95, I've been John Zabriskie. I am Jeff Glover. And until next time, stick around. Stick around. Mark. Stick around. Stick around. Dylan. 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 Mark. Mark. <laughs> well, it doesn't work. Mark. I it doesn't work. You could do like Jack or back track, but you can't do Mark. Mark. Can't get that. Like the Mac. Yeah. Mark. Mark. <laughs> Mark. It doesn't work as well. It doesn't. Mark. <laughs>